If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cavs the Podcast. I'm Tom Pestak, joined by Nate Smith on a uh, a salty Sunday night. There's a war of words brewing, or maybe it's really nothing to see here, between um, the brazenly, uh, the brazen Clay Thompson, all, always throwing shade somewhere. And uh, and then of course LeBron and it's over this Draymond Green suspension so we'll talk yeah, of about course, that uh, Aisha Curry as well oh yeah she weighed in as well yeah so if I if I got this right Nate um, they are all angry because LeBron stepped over Draymond which I'll be honest with you I think LeBron did that intentionally um, maybe a little yeah so we'll, we'll go with that and it was retroactively called a, a technical foul a flagrant one. LeBron stepping over was called no, no, a flagrant? Yes, it was called a technical foul. Oh, a technical foul, okay. And then Draymond's, uh, what is it, his Not fourth tap. contact to the genital region this playoffs? <laughs> the third or fourth, I don't know. But um, right. it's uh, it, it, was called, it was retroactively called a flagrant one, and he was suspended for a game. So he will not be playing Monday night in Oakland. Okay. And... Uh, and this isn't going to happen, but the funny thing is, is if he were to, he's not allowed in the arena, I don't think. And there's a fine if he joins the team. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So, it should be interesting. I, uh, so I guess the very first question is, A, did you think it was warranted? B, uh, well, you just start with that. Yeah, it was a flagrant one. I mean, it Please. wasn't. It, he, he, I mean, even though I don't believe it, I can understand the argument when he karate kicks, you know, Stephen Adams in the junk that he was just flailing, trying to get a foul or whatever. I mean, he's on the ground and he just reaches up and like, you know, backhand taps LeBron. I mean, yeah, you know, what I mean, he's not going for the ball. There's no ball. <laughs> well, there. No, not he's going one for the ball. balls. Right. <laughs> He, yeah, I mean, what else would you call that? I mean, no, it's the, I, out of I basketball play, it's a cheap shot. And, and I, uh, yeah, I thought the uh, the Stephen Adams should have been a flagrant too. 
Yeah, I did. I did as well. But I, two years ago, I was shocked at all the jersey tugging they allowed Draymond to do. This year, I was shocked at all the illegal screens they allow him to set where he sets the screen, just kind of grabs the guy, just keeps going, you know, for as long as he wants, pushing him out of the out of the picture. And and now he's just, you know, making all this contact. And I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. I was very upset when Delhi was labeled a dirty player because basically he dove for a loose ball and everything else was, I mean, the Taj Gibson thing was not dirty. That was just him being annoying. Like he, no one was in danger of getting hurt there. Um, the Al Horford thing was Horford ripping him down and then throwing an elbow in the side of his head. Horford should have been suspended for like 10 games for that vicious shot. And somehow because of Delhi's reputation, most people in the moment took Horford's side on that, which I just thought was outrageous. Uh, and in, in, in the case of Green now, it's like, I mean, he's built up a reputation. I mean, guys just keep getting hit there by him. And I don't want to look at any one and be like, oh, he's the dirtiest player alive. But I, I think Draymond Green is plays right to the edge. He's nasty. Yeah. He's dirty. I think he so, is, too. And to be frank, the Cavs could use some nastiness and some dirtiness. And that's part of the reason that this Warriors team has, quite frankly, been better. It's because they're meaner and nastier, and they play as far to the edge of the rules as they can. Yeah, I agree with you on all accounts. They do. Uh, and, and do I think the NBA lets them get away with cheating? Absolutely. Um, you know, this is goes into another question that you wanted to talk about this uh, podcast, and that's why is LeBron's free throw rate the lowest in playoff history this season? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so let's, let, let, let me bring up these numbers here. Uh, I, I actually first noticed this in the Detroit series. I, he was basically not getting the line at all. Um, yeah, so playoffs... Per game, or we'll do per minute, per 36 minutes. Okay, LeBron's career uh, free throw attempts per 36 minutes in the playoffs is 7.8. And right now he is getting a career low 5.1. Last year he was 7.1. The year before he was 7.5. I'll be honest with you, Nate. I don't feel like LeBron is less athletic or attacking the basket less this year than last year. Uh, I think it's more he's closer to the basket more often because he's not shooting as many jump shots. I agree. And and I don't, you know, I know he's lost some athleticism, um, but I don't feel like he's lost that much. So. Well, and what he has lost in athleticism, he has made up for in ambidexterity and being able to finish at different angles. Uh you know, he's not as good off the dribble, I will say, as he was. Um, and the NBA has kind of become an off-the-dribble league. But yeah. I have definitely seen, I think there's a couple reasons for this, I've definitely seen a let-them-play mentality from the NBA in this postseason. And if that, and I, if that Draymond Green uh, punch 
that became a flagrant one, if that had happened in games one or two, I do not believe that he would have been suspended. Uh, I think the NBA has a vested interest in extending the series and, you know, maintaining the veneer of fairness, but I've seen ridiculous calls all postseason, you know, the forearm shiver from Andre Drummond on LeBron that wasn't even called. You had, they didn't even review the Harrison Barnes elbow to the back of Kevin Love's head. It wasn't even a retroactive flagrant one, which is still just boggles my mind. Um, all right, Nate, 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 for it. Huh? So I looked up these stats. You got to hear this. So this season, LeBron is taking 50% of his shots within three feet of the basket. And that, the, the next closest in his whole career is 38%. In 2005-2006, the Cavs' first year in the in the playoffs in the LeBron era, that was his that t- was his highest percentage of shots within zero to three feet, and this year he is completely eclipsing that. So literally half of his shots are right at the basket, and um, his percentage of field goals that are dunks is way higher than it has ever been in his career. Like 12% of his shots right now are dunks. And the previous high was about 8% or actually 9% back in 2008-2009. So, yeah, he is at the basket more often than ever. And his in the playoffs. Very high minutes. And yet he is going, he's getting one less uh, shooting foul per game, basically, right? So it was 7.4, and now it's 5.1. So yes, that's, that's, yes. You know, that's at and least he's, one full shooting foul. He set a career low in um, fouls drawn uh, and very low in and ones. And it's not like he's being blocked more than normal. Yeah, I'd <laughs> so, like to see what his field goal percentage Inside of three feet, three feet is this season versus previous yes. seasons. That'd in the playoffs, fun. it's um, it's fifty nine percent, which is high. Um, his career average is fifty two percent. Um, so it's better so, than his so. There is high. a little bit of credence, like maybe he's getting more open lanes at the basket, you know, and maybe he's not forcing that contact. I don't know. I mean, well, maybe, no, maybe. I'm just saying I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah. Well, but the reality is he doesn't look less athletic this year than, no. like, say, last year. He is taking a higher percentage of shots at the rim than ever in his career. Um, and yet his fouls drawn is down. And so the counter argument would be that, OK, well, he's just not finishing as well, but his his um, field goal percentage at the basket is good. It's 59%. That's that's very good. And he's not being blocked as much at the rim. So it's not like, well, yeah, I mean, he's just getting blocked. And so they're not calling fouls. He's just not getting into the spot. Um, the shot blockers are affecting him. I think he's taking body contact, and they're just uh, not calling fouls. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, Draymond Green is the master of not fouling up high 
and fouling down low. Um, he did this one to Kyrie. Kyrie drove, and he went straight up with the arms, but he, like, kneed him. Like, he used his legs coming up to nudge him out of the shot, which yeah. is very hard to see on camera from the angle, and it's hard for the refs to officiate. And and the Warriors are kind of master. Draymond Green especially is kind of the master of that. Yeah. But also, there's just, as Stan Van Gundy, I'm sorry, Jeff Van Gundy said on Friday night, the, it it's not a case of the NBA letting them play. He said the refs are just not calling fouls. And I wonder if part of this is this beef with the NBA officials and the NBA right now about these two-minute reports that yeah. the NBA officials don't feel like they should be publicly reviewed, which, A, to me, is ridiculous that they have any say in whether they're reviewed or not. And, B, you know, if, if it is the NBA just, well, we're going to stop calling fouls, if the refs are deciding that, that, that sets a very dangerous precedent. And we've already seen one guy get hurt. You know, it, are we going to see John Stockton or not John Stockton, John Starks, like in uh, the 90s where he had to have a testicle removed? <laughs> Did that really happen? It really happened, yeah. Oh, man. Well, if Draymond, uh, if Draymond keeps going, he might. Yeah, and so, yeah, this whole this whole thing is, is insane. And I've seen – this has been a really poorly officiated playoffs. And the game, I feel like, needs cleaned up, and it's not going to happen – because you can't change the way the game's being called in the middle of the playoffs. But I, the, the NBA has an officiating problem. This is the worst officiating I ever remember this season. Yeah. I mean, would you agree? Well, um, I don't know. I, I definitely feel like they're letting more contact go than ever, which honestly, I, I like that more than whistles every you know, time Dwayne Wade, someone breathes on him. I'll agree so with from you that there. from that standpoint, I like it more when they like the players play. But um, I think what's kind of ruining the game is when they take twenty minutes to review. Like, okay, was this a flagrant foul? And it's oh, like, yeah. and half Especially the time I don't these feel like borderline calls. Like if it's yeah, real obvious. Lot, and, sorry, go ahead. No, and a lot of times I feel like you can tell within like watching it twice. Like, you know, they show it to us 20 times on replay because they got nothing better to do. And I just, it's kind of like, okay, what new information are you going to glean from this? Like, it's pretty obvious what, what, what happened here. Well, and, the, the um, other thing is, is why do they need to set up this whole viewing station for the officials in the game? Why can't some, they've got all these being reviewed in the league office. Why can't just someone, well, saying, okay, we're upgrading that. I don't know because, well, because I think I get, it, I get it. I mean, the refs are more than just there to to try to call the game. They're there to kind of police the to set the tone, right? And I think they they understand the players playing at the time, the coaches. They understand the temperature of the game, and they I want to. They, I I think the I think the NBA refs um, have a directive to make games good games. And one of that, and part of that directive is call a lot of fouls when things are getting chippy and out of hand. And don't call a lot of fouls when both teams are playing hard and it's a back and forth game and it's exciting. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing this year. I mean, the refs completely swallowed their whistles 
in the second half. Oh my of, gosh, there was a couple of plays. Richard Jefferson got fouled as bad on the arm as I've ever seen under the yeah. basket by Draymond Green and just no whistle, and the ref was just right there. And I'm like, yeah. how is that not a? I mean, so part of the, what's happening, but here's what ticks me off is I don't feel like the Cavs get the same calls. I mean, I'm seeing tic tac calls on guys in the post against the Cavs, and then Draymond is just laying wood on people and not getting a call. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm blown. I'm blown away by Draymond. Like the fact that it's taken him this long to get enough points for suspension is kind of mind blowing. When you consider every time I watch the guy play, I feel like he's doing something dirty. And here's the other thing that is really um, a little bit insufferable: listening to the Warriors and Clay Thompson go on and on about how you know LeBron taunted Green and baited him into the nut shot. It's like every time Draymond Green does anything, he starts barking at whoever he did it to or barking at the other bench. I mean, we used to joke, like, why doesn't he get technicals like every time down the court? And my argument was maybe that's just like, it's kind of like the Dikembe finger wag. Like Draymond's thing is just that he's always got his mouth wide open, barking something at someone. Like he goes to Taco Bell and just screams and, Uh, I have two onions in my bean burrito. (laughs) Yeah, like, and it's just to the point where everyone lets it go because it. Yeah, yeah, you watch other guys when they get demonstrative, they get teed up. Draymond just constantly. um, I like Zach Lowe's article about it. He called Draymond the snarling soul of the Warriors. I thought, yeah, he is. He's always snarling about something out loud, like a you know. A couple of times. I mean, so the idea that, oh, oh, well, LeBron, like, taunted him and that. It's oh, like, yeah. what? Draymond taunts people, like, freaking the entire game. Do you, th- you, do you think Draymond hasn't stepped over someone? Because apparently oh, there's, right, and right. I didn't realize, there's this, like, unwritten rule you don't step over someone in the NBA. Hey, and, no, and the Aisha. If, if LeBron, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, sure, fine. Guy steps over, you don't like it, you shove him. But yeah. the, at this point, you don't smack him in the nuts when you have a reputation for being a guy that's hitting people in the nuts. I mean, <laughs> you can try to blame LeBron all you want. That's just silly. Like, you keep that's, hitting that's people all. in the, when you stop hitting people in the nuts. Maybe you'll have an <laughs> argument. I mean, if if Draymond would have got up and like two hand shoved LeBron and they would have called like double technicals, I'd have been like, all right, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. LeBron kind of walked over him. You know, that's kind of taunting. Draymond pushed him. You can't push. Double technical. He hit the, he, he smacked him in the junk, you know? Yeah. And well, here's it's the like, other thing I think is happening. He's got no, they've got no one to blame but, but Draymond for the fact that he's suspended. Yeah. But the other thing I think that is happening is the NBA has gotten so soft that when you finally get a guy that's kind of a tough guy and kind of a thug back that has some skill. I feel like the officials don't. It's know a little bit jarring, yeah. Well, they're just letting him go. Yeah, it is yeah. a little bit jarring. It's um, like I I don't I don't know what to do with it. What do you? Uh, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I remember last year the game was getting chippy and the Celtics were were being viciously. They were viciously following the Cavs anytime they got near the hoop. And J.R. Smith threw an elbow, and he wasn't looking at his target. So you can argue how intentional it was. 
connected with Jay Crowder, who they were they were fighting down low, you know, to stab the position. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Close fist to the side of the head. Kind of knocked him. He didn't kind of knock him out. He knocked him out. Yeah, yeah right. His he, legs yeah. went out from under. Like, like buckled. Knee. Yeah, and he got suspended. And I mean, James. right. And it's like I get it. I mean, I get what the NBA is that they're trying to clean it up. That's good. But you're right. Having a guy like Draymond, I mean, I'm just shocked at how much he gets away with. I really am. I have been for years. But for a guy that just. Yeah, well, I like I, that. I, I like I feel players like, play fire and intensity, but yeah. he definitely crosses the line a lot. And I feel like the Cavs are being punished for playing the right way, you know, for not going that level of dirty play. And I, I wish they had that guy on their team, but they don't. Of course, then you saw, and then the other thing that's for, that's hilarious about the whole thing is you got a game like that, and then you got. Anderson Vergeau taking dives all over the court (laughs) and like pulling Kevin Love out of bounds. And that's a foul call. I'm like, what, what is it's, it's insane. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I I really do feel like the NBA encourages you to flop and exaggerate contact because when you don't, you don't get a call. It, 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 it's very poorly officiated right now, and I don't want to spend this entire podcast complaining about the officiating, so we should probably move on. Let's move on. <laughs> um, so your thoughts on a very rough – as I said, it was – it seemed as if you were lamenting the entropy death of the universe – in uh, your game for recap. <laughs> I was tired and I've been sick. Um, and it sucked. I mean, I, but I, I, I think it, it looked a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great description. Lamenting the cold, the cold death of the universe. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally that downtrodden as I physically appeared. Uh, no, no, no. It didn't even <laughs> seem like, it just seemed like you were just resigned. Oh, like, yeah. Not even well, like, it's like, yeah, yeah, well, in two billion years, the universe is going to. I mean, it's a, de- Nate, a- you know, it's a defense. It's a defense mechanism. I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, no, I just let the I let the numbers, you know, I let the numbers lead. I, I don't. I, I pick and choose the numbers I like, just like 99 yeah. percent of uh, people out there. And when it comes to Cavs versus Warriors, uh, that the loss on Christmas and the loss on Martin Luther King Day just kind of messed me up a little bit. And ever since then, I've approached it with, um, you know, with, with kind of a mopey sort of, yeah, resigned myself to the fact. resignation. Okay. Yeah. And, well, and it's, it just makes it easier. I, I, I don't. You are compartmentalizing your pain. Yeah, I can be sort of like a functioning cavaholic, right? This is like how I do it. I can think back to 2009, and it's a good thing I was in grad school because I would have lost my job, you know, the way I reacted to that Orlando series. (laughs) I mean, I seriously would have. Um, You know, I mean, you know, you got a family, you got kids. I mean, we were talking about this horrible shooting before we started the podcast. I mean... We get really into this, and we dedicate a lot of time and energy and, then, and passion. Like, something happens and snaps you back, and you realize, you know, this is, means a lot to me, but this is not 
there are many more important things than basketball. And right. It's it's entertaining. It's part of growing up. It means a lot, but it's it's um it's superfluous. It's entertainment. It's, it's something diversion. yeah, it's a diversion. It's something that I have I'm blessed to be able to spend time doing it. I mean right. two, three generations ago, it'd have been a joke, like, oh yeah, I spent like you know, I spend ten hours a week just like talking about talking about sports. Like, oh wow, really? You're not like plowing the fields and working in the factories and you know canning the sardines. It's like, no, actually, I you know I have a nice job and a nice house, and I can I have the leisure time to do this. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's just supposed to be fun, and for me, it's been a little bit easier to just. I don't want to say have lower expectations, but I've been through this with a lot, yeah. with all Cleveland teams. I've been through this with the Cavs. Um, I could sort of see this series coming a mile away. I mean, I, I saw it yeah. happening really just like this. I saw, and I did not see the Cavs playing as well up to this point. That was a surprise, a very pleasant surprise. I got really excited about it. But this idea that they could lose 4-1 or something like that, I mean, we'll see what happens, but... They're not the better team right now, and no. I no, and I so expect a little bit, and, and I don't want to cut you off, but uh, a little bit to your point. So, what do you think was the issue in Game Four? Because it was, I mean, it was a fourth quarter collapse. I mean, I, I don't think either of us yeah, I know, I, could and I, say I, that I know that's you not the way it went up down. That maybe right. Well, you brought up that that they were kind of gassed, um, possibly. I think that. They were small, and the Warriors were small, and um, basically, I'll start off by saying, all throughout the season, my biggest concern for the Cavs was, when the going gets tough, and they get into a half-court grind, are they going to be able to run an offense that can allow them to create easy baskets? Or are they going to revert to LeBron facing up at the top of the key, trying to take you know Andre Iguodala off the dribble, or Kyrie Irving dribbling into a trap or into a corner? What are they? What are they going to do? Well, and, and I don't even think it's an issue of easy baskets. I I would say, are they going to be able to generate makeable baskets? Sure. Okay. Yeah, anyway, you want to put it. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you see the difference. I mean, there's a difference between a. A, sh- a shot in the offense that you know, has rhythm? a reasonable chance of going in and an absolute fadeaway prayer. Yeah, well, and there's shots that are in rhythm and there's shots that are almost like bailouts, like, oh, right. please bail me out, hot potato shot. And um, the Cavs went ISO. And I don't I, – see, the problem is I don't even know at this point if isolation basketball is the wrong answer given the Cavs personnel and given what the Warriors are able to do. Because, yes, I see all the people on our comments kind of like losing their minds about how the Cavs don't run a complicated offense. Hey, I'm there. I'm with you. I've been complaining about the Cavs not running a complicated offense uh, since, like, they traded Mark Price, you know. They've had a simplistic offense for as long as I can remember, and – it, yeah, I, I my ideal is that if they move the ball more, if LeBron was a roller more, if they had more weak side cutting, if they played more like the 2014 Spurs or the last two years Warriors on offense, they'd be a better team. But I'm getting to the point where it's just like, I don't know if they have the right personnel 
to do that. And the Warriors are such a good defensive team. Sometimes, I mean, Kevin Pelton wrote about it after the Cavs were down 2-0. He was like, look, LeBron, they should just isolate him on Iguodala and go one-on-one and spread the court with four shooters. Just spread out as far as you can, drive and kick. Like going back to 2007, you know, drive and kick. If You know, you're either going to lay it in or you're going to kick it out to Daniel Marshall. And I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not good enough of an analyst, I guess, to be able to say, well, the Cavs would be in much better shape if they had more weak side movement versus like, no, at this point, you just can't beat the Warriors that way. Like, like, like Rocky, like, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, we're not quicker than him. So we're going to turn you into a, you know, a hurt locker, you know, those, 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 those punches are going to be painful and that Rocky, that uh, Rocky Balboa movie where he's like 50 years old or 60 years old and he goes and fights the young guy. They're like, yeah, we're not even going to bother trying to make you quick or any of that. That's not going to happen. Um, we're, but every punch is going to be like bone crushing. So I don't know. I mean, maybe the Cavs' best chance is just spread the court and let well, Kyrie Irving I, I see that, but the ball has to at least move side to side somewhat. And you have to run some action to get the defense moving before you catch the ball. Like, you can't just walk up, put four guys out there, and then just, okay, now we're going to ISO. Like, okay, so the here, easiest defense in the world. No, I'm with you. So here, so when Steph Curry threw that ridiculous behind-the-back pass that Kyrie picked off, mm-hmm. and Kyrie is one of the best transition finishers in the league, and he goes coast-to-coast, and Clay Thompson blocks the shot and somehow where... without fouling, and the Warriors contained the ball and and got the possession back. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, what what was the problem? Was Kyrie too tired? Was Clay I, I Thompson too good? Exhausted. Okay, I, I, mean, I you, really you, you could be exhausted. right. One of the things that happens when you get exhausted playing basketball, you don't want to move as much. Uh, you become mentally fatigued and you don't make as good of decisions. And well, if there was a play to, um, to highlight that argument, it was the one where Curry blew past, I think J.R. Smith and someone stepped up, maybe LeBron or someone. And he threw up a little runner that rolled around the hoop and off it. And LeBron was standing right there, mm-hmm. and he neither jumped to like grab the ball or boxed out Iguodala, yeah. who was not in as good of position as LeBron. But because LeBron had like cement feet, Iguodala just grabbed the ball, and I believe then that led to Barnes hitting a three, which kind of pushed the lead up to like nine or eleven or something, where it got kind of out of control, and. I just I was like, what? Well, was and that? along with that, the other one that I saw was that LeBron just come down and shoot a pull up three pointer from the top of the key, yeah. that basically led to a, a Steph Curry fast break on the other end, and it was like, okay, that that's <laughs> not the kind of shot you're going to win this game with. Yeah, I know. Um, so I don't I don't know. I, I've had trouble this whole series. I thought the Cavs competed decently well in Game One, and. They just, I don't know if they weren't prepared for the Warriors bench well, I, or, I mean, I or what it was. Ty Lue did a really terrible job of managing minutes that game. He had one timeout left with like six minutes left. And 
part of that was because he was buying rest for his players. But my my contention is the Cavs, Ty Lue either has to trust the bench or the Cavs have lost. He has to find ways to make that bench productive, and the Cavs have been doing a terrible job of doing that. Now, in some respects, the bench has played terribly at times, and I actually thought Kevin Love gave them a big boost off the bench in Game 4. But Iman Shumpert's been an absolute train wreck offensively. Uh, Oh, I know. Every time he touches the ball, it's It's, like a turnover. Yeah. And And he'll he'll completely, in in a matchup where every possession is so crucial, he will completely sabotage possessions, like, by himself. Like, he'll get the rebound and start sprinting up court, and no one's following him. And he'll start dribbling. He'll throw up a shot that hits the side of the hoop or something. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, oh, you're supposed yeah. to be a 3 and D guy. Like, the only time you're supposed to be shooting is when you're in the corner spotted up. Right. And he, I don't know what is going on with him at all. I, I, I yeah, yeah, basically, uh, the worst play, so the very worst play is the Cavs got a 3-on-2. <clears throat> and LeBron's coming down the middle and... Shumpert's on the left wing, and then I think LeBron had possibly Kyrie or J.R. Smith kind of behind him on his right. And so Shumpert, instead of just running the lane and getting a layup, fades out to the left corner, which all day long, if you're a Mon Shumpert, you should want the dunk. You're not a good enough corner shooter to be passing up a dunk to take a three. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he trips over the ref, falls out of bounds, and it's a turnover on the play. And it's just like, what is – the, A, the execution was terrible. But even before the execution, the decision was mind-numbingly dumb. Yeah. I mean, Amon Shumpert has been an absolute and total train wreck. Yet he keeps getting minutes, and our boy, Deli Deli, yeah. Is not getting minutes. Let's look at well, and, uh, and, and more so. Well, okay. And, and more so than Deli. Oh, you, do you have him up right now? Yeah. One Let for five in game. One for five in 15 minutes in game four. One for five in 18 minutes in game with two turnovers in game three. I remember those two turnovers. They were back to back. Well, to start, and to, to start the fourth quarter, I think. and he had more turnovers. Or the second quarter, to start the second quarter. Because remember, he had the one where he just launched it off Tristan Thompson's hands, the bullet <laughs> pass, diving out of bounds from like five feet away. Lucky he didn't break a finger. One for three on game two. Well, and they just got destroyed. And then game one, he was not horrible. One for he had that three. It's like when he tries to do too much, it's it's a nightmare. And he's been awful. And then, you know, we got our boy Deli, whose shot has disappeared on him. Yeah. Um, but the ball moves when he is in. And I was very disappointed that we saw LeBron and Kyrie at the beginning of the fourth and not Deli and LeBron. Well, but and this, really whole, this like, whole finals, I feel like the thing that – completely destroyed the Raptors where Deli and LeBron are playing pick and roll with each other and you got Fry popping to the wing and you got um, Richard Jefferson, you know, cutting back door. They haven't even tried it. 
No, and the NBA Finals. When I, they... And LeBron refuses to roll. I know. And and part of it is he's conserving energy, quote unquote. But yeah, like you said, they haven't even tried it. And the ball. I mean, at this at Delhi's this point, in. at this point, I guess I don't mind that Delhi's not playing because when he's in, either Shumpert is running up the court and turning the ball over. Or, yeah, Delhi's trying to move the ball, move bodies, and the rest of the Cavs are like, LeBron will just get it and tell everyone to spread out. And and Delhi has not been a great defensive player, especially in isolation this season or in this these playoffs, in my opinion. And so... Um, yeah, his confidence seems way down. Uh, I, I guess one thing, he had a baby for months ago i guess he's got a four month old but i really felt like what yeah somebody i i found that out oh my gosh uh but i really feel like his confidence has really gone down yeah i do too i feel like his confidence is well i don't know if that's the reason but i don't know if he doesn't seem confident kind of simultaneous and i really i mean it it's really obvious now he was second. Not trust him anymore. He was second on the Cavs behind LeBron and uh, in total plus minus and third in terms of plus minus per minute behind Channing Frye and LeBron going into the finals. And I know his plus minus has been bad in the finals. So it actually hasn't been that bad. Oh really? I thought it was. Some of the other guys. Oh okay. But per minute, yeah. I mean, he was zero last game. Well, he played like two minutes, but yeah. He played five. Okay. But I felt like the Cavs weren't hurting when he was in there. And five minutes for Kyrie Irving at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth, I just felt like Lou gave them no chance to win with the way he managed those minutes. Yeah. It it was over. And I I have not been – I've not been impressed with Lou at all in these finals. He seems out of his depth. The Cavs aren't running an offense. He doesn't seem to be able to – get the team to execute any kind of play. And, you know, it's defense, 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 but when you're taking terrible shots and turning the ball over, no amount of defense that you're playing is going to be able to t- stop a team like the Warriors from scoring. Yeah. And and that's, I guess, what irritates me more than anything so far is I don't feel like the Cavs have gotten beat from a pure st- talent standpoint. They've gotten beat from a mental toughness <sighs> execution and you know focus and grittiness standpoint and it hasn't been that they're just getting outplayed by a superior team it's they're getting outthought and outworked and that, that that's depressing but i will say that I, I didn't feel like they didn't leave it all on the court last game because yeah they, i didn't either yeah I, I thought they played hard they did leave a lot of it on the bench so well, so, so here's the question. So here's another thing that happened. Um, in the fourth quarter, LeBron was blocked twice, and he had the ball stripped from him twice. Or maybe he was blocked once and Kyra was blocked once. I can't remember. But um, I was looking at LeBron's turnover numbers this year, and you might be shocked to learn this. Um LeBron this year in the playoffs, now he's played 18 games, has 44 lost ball turnovers where he just like dribbles it out of bounds or something like that or off his foot or, you know, um, 
In other words, it's not a bad pass. Uh, it's just it's his handle. An unforced saying? error, yeah. His previous high was last year in 20 games. He had 26 of those. So in two less games, he's like almost doubled that. And I, I mean, I've noticed a lot of that. Le- a lot of LeBron's turnovers are just unforced errors. Or like I'm going to put my head down and drive, and then he gets the ball ripped right out of his hands. Like, I don't know if he's getting more careless or if his dribbling has, is abandoning him just as much as his three-point shot or what the deal is, but I mean, that that's kind of a shocking number in my opinion. 44 lost ball turnovers. That's not good. His previous high was last year was 26, and his previous high before that was 19. And he's been in the playoffs a lot of years. That's not something that we've really seen from him much. Right. And and, and it goes back to what we've been talking about all year. The best evolution of LeBron is to get him off the ball. But that's not happening. And it's very frustrating to watch. Right. Uh, and, and it also, I think, has to do with this offense that isn't really an offense. And he doesn't seem to know where guys are going to be, where the double teams are going to be coming from. It doesn't seem spaced very well. It just seems kind of thrown me. Sometimes I watch him and I feel like I'm watching a pickup offense. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. That, so, I mean, that's the real question is the offense too simplistic? Do they not have the right approach? Are are they just not good enough to beat the Warriors? What do you think, Tom? Because I've I've given my opinions on it. Yeah, no, I I don't think they're good enough the way they're playing right now to beat the Warriors. I think they have the talent and the depth that they could have, but um, they all have to play well. I mean, LeBron can't struggle. He can't, you know, it, if if the Warriors are going to single cover everyone and Iguodala is, or Barnes or whoever is on LeBron. How good has Iguodala been? He's been outstanding. I mean, LeBron's got to be able to win that matchup. Yeah. Like decisively. And it just seems like every time that the Warriors need an absolutely huge shot, he's there oh, with yeah. it. Or, and he has, he officially has the best defensive hands in the NBA. He, the plays he makes defensively and quickly in his rotation is just phenomenal. Yeah. It, it's disgusting to watch. I know. Um, and it kind of goes back to the question you had. Can anybody beat this Warriors death lineup? And well, that's we the thing. In game five. Well, that's the thing is all year long, the numbers that that death lineup put up uh, in terms of offensive and defensive efficiency was just staggering. I mean, I, I wrote a post and I, I listed all the best lineups in the league yeah. by, by net rating. Yeah. And it, the top three of the top four were Warriors lineups and the death lineup had a net rating of like 50, meaning the difference between their offensive rating and their defensive rating is 50 which is, again, defensive rating, you want it to be lower. So the, the larger that difference is, or the greater that net rating number is, the better. I mean, 50 is just <coughs> obscene. I mean, yeah. So, but but I the, mean, thing is, the thing is, they didn't, playoffs. they didn't play it that much. Yeah. Like, you would think if you had a lineup that was just completely unstoppable, 
that'd be like your starting lineup, or they that well, lineup would think, play thirty minutes a night. From that philosophy, so they have a playoff lineup that's been unstoppable, and they yeah. have a regular season lineup that's been unstoppable, and we've barely seen either of them in this finals. So, but it almost just seems like the Warriors only use it. It's like their trump card. Like they try to win games without it almost, and then. I mean, they well, were so good. They, they were are buying minutes to make that lineup that effective, too. Yeah, but they're, they've been so good. I mean, part of the reason they won 73 games is because anytime a team was up 8, 9, 10 points going to the fourth quarter, that team would still lose because the death lineup would play like pretty much the whole quarter. Right. But they've and, also they, they put themselves in that position by managing the minutes until the fourth quarter so that they have that ability in the fourth quarter and they're not all tired. Yeah. You know, and, and as part of coaching and a rotation and, you know, they don't play it more because they want it. That's their, their closeout lineup. You know, they want it available at that time. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 my, I, my position is that the Warriors won 73 games for a reason. They're also, I think, a poor matchup for the Cavs. And um, I think that the Cavs could beat them if LeBron was playing really well and Kyra was playing very well and the bench was playing well and the defense was, like, laser lock focused. But I don't really think any of those things have happened. Yeah. I will say I feel like... Kyrie's defense has been better than I would have anticipated. Um, yeah, but now, he fell apart in the second half last game. Yeah, well, and then there's, of course, there's there's the argument that people will make that, no, Steph Curry's just not himself or whatever. And that's fine. I'm not going to say that part of me doesn't also think that might play into it. But I, I do feel like the Cavs have done a pretty decent job focusing on the perimeter of course, the Warriors yeah. hit 17 threes in the last game, so I mean, maybe yeah, not. That third quarter, they really fell apart defensively. Kyrie lost Steph and Clay many times, and the communication between Jr. and Kyrie was poor, and guys were just getting wide open looks, and those aren't guys you can give, <clears throat> excuse me, wide open looks to. Yeah. So, um, so I think that the Warriors' death lineup can be beaten. We saw. We saw the Thunder do it and then implode. And it, you know, it, it can be done, but you have to have sustained excellence. And it kind of gets to what we've talked about. You know, can you put LeBron off ball, especially with a guy like Kyrie who likes to score in isolation, not a great pick-and-roll player? And, and that kind of another thing that boggles my mind. In today's offense in the NBA, how little pick and roll we're seeing from the Cavs in this final is really kind of mind-boggling. You know, it, it's yeah. like they're going against every staple principle in the NBA right now. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we... And we haven't seen it that much from the Warriors either. I mean, we, we do... But we see it enough to keep, you know, to keep defenses honest. Uh, you see it with Dre and... You see the pick and pop with Clay and Steph, and you see the pick and roll with with them. And so one of the things that I I feel like is a real problem, and I I have a pet peeve of mine 
that the Cavs are not, or that a lot of Cavs fans are already talking about the offseason and pointing as Kevin Love is one of the big problems that, you know, it doesn't really work in the matchup and doesn't really work on the team because LeBron's a natural four, which I don't think is true. And maybe we'll get into that in another podcast. But without a point guard that can regularly and effectively run, pick and roll and distribute the ball, can they be successful long term as a team? I, I, I don't know. You know, and they have non-traditional role men as well. So I, I, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know. In my sense, in watching the Cavs this year and watching LeBron, my sense is that the best evolution for him is to play off the ball more because he's just a devastating passer. He can finish with either hand. He's strong. I mean, Carl Malone made a career out of just rolling and receiving John Stockton passes and then either hitting the shot or finishing or getting fouled. LeBron's got the same, maybe not quite as heavy, but he's got a similar frame. Um, and so that is a departure from the face-up game that he's become so accustomed to, which I think just drains too much energy from him to try to take people off the dribble like that and allow people to body him for three, four, five dribbles as he goes to the hoop. I'd rather him not have the ball in his hands as he gets to the spots he wants to get to and then receive the pass. But part of it is that, like Ben said, LeBron makes all other players role players. I feel like he needs a floor general directing him, telling him, no, this is where you're going to go. And, and, this and is I where- don't know if that person exists if his name isn't Chris Paul. I mean, Chris, well, that's that might guy be the only that guy that he, mind. Yeah, that he would that he would defer to in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and part of what was driving me nuts at times in games three and a little bit in game two was they weren't letting Delhi play point guard yeah. with him. And that was the possessions where Iman Shumpert just hijacked the offense were part of that. But um. Yeah, and that, that they don't seem to have that. So I, I feel like if you want to beat the Warriors, you have to do that. But I don't know if the Cavs – I haven't seen the willingness of the Cavs to do that. Yeah. Um, it, it's a mental block, I feel like. So I don't know. I mean, And do you feel like it's it's too early for postseason talk? <laughs> no, well, I don't. I've gotten I've... sick of it. I've gotten in arguments with people about, you know, people seem so down on Kevin Love this series – and to me, the entire problem with the series has not been Kevin Love at all. Like well, when he's played, I, he's played well. He's played okay. Well, the other thing is, I mean, everyone's, aside from every, that game two where they all played like garbage, but everything everyone was focusing on the inability to defend the pick and roll going into the playoffs, and that that did play a factor. But really, the Cavs have been losing because they can't score, and yes. they couldn't score at all in the fourth quarter at home. And that's why they lost that game. It wasn't like they were ceding a gajillion points to the Warriors. They were playing hard, and they've been better the last two well, games. Well, and their defensively. horrible offense was feeding the Warriors, or was feeding yeah. the Warriors' offense. Yeah, exactly. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I Kyrie Irving has played better in the playoffs, certainly than in the regular season. Um, he, as always, he remains a polarizing player. He can do some spectacular things. He can do some. I want to pound my head on my desk kinds of things. 
And if I had to choose, if, assuming that I could get equal value in return, um, I think that I would rather have a point guard like Chris Paul at this stage of LeBron's career than a, a more dynamic offensive player who's younger like Kyrie Irving. I know I, I understand that makes some fans just you know so outraged they you know want to kill me yeah. um, and they and they say like I got in that I got in a big Twitter spat with a with a pretty devout Cavs fan and it's like no don't, don't sit here and tell me I'm overreacting to one game I mean I, I've had these feelings for like three years well, I've had these feelings the, before LeBron got here yeah I wonder how one game Kyrie Irving can look brilliant for one game. And then he can look like garbage in the next game. And then he can have a great first half like he did and then completely lose his defensive abilities. And he and LeBron can get into chucker mode like they did in the fourth quarter. And, you know, and and in their defense, it was poor time management and they were exhausted. But, you know, I I mean, I don't know what to say beyond that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, if I could, all things being equal, I would rather have Kevin Love uh, than Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, if you if you're looking to move one of them, but a lot of people don't feel that way. I feel like the problem with LeBron at the four is that he is not a good defense, defensive rebounder, especially when he plays a lot of minutes. He's not a good box out man, uh, and he is actually plays very well next to Kevin Love. Because when you play a traditional center and Kevin Love, you, Kevin Love can rebound. He is a good box out man. He is going to do the dirty work on the defensive boards. And he's also a guy that can be a stretch four so that LeBron has the room to operate inside the paint. And yeah. I, I don't know if there's many other people that have that compliment. Like, like I told someone the other day, there's only one Serge Ibaka in the entire league. You know, <laughs> Yeah. How many, you know, there's only one, there's only been about four guys like that. You know, Serge Ibaka, Shane Battier, Draymond Green, uh, those those guys don't grow on trees, you know. Yeah. And if you can find that guy, great, but I don't see any way the Cavs are getting one anytime soon. So they, Kevin Love is probably the guy that they're going to have to roll with. I mean, yeah. unless you think Jay Crowder is the answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's something to say for the fact that, well, like you said, a guy like Draymond Green allows you to do a lot of things. And the fact that he can play center effectively mm-hmm. and he's fast enough to deal with LeBron, but he's, you know, a rebounding menace. Um, he's like, if you took Tristan Thompson and Andre Iguodala and took like the best of both of them. And also made him a shot block. I mean, that's Draymond Green. I mean, he's 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 an incredible defensive player, and so is Iguodala, by the way. Absolutely. The fact that the fact that he can play the five and they don't get killed on the boards or at the rim, it just it's really hard to beat that. And yeah. and so that's what I wonder: is this when is this the way the NBA is going to go? Are, are we really going to be seeing, you know, five? strong, tall, like wing player skill sets running around. I mean, we've been and, wondering and this I've for been years. hearing that argument since, you know, Kevin Garnett's third or fourth year. And it all just kind of depends on the skill sets of the guys that are populating the league. Yeah. 
you know, you see a guy like a Giannis Adetokounmpo and you say, why wouldn't you just, if you could get away with it, play five guys like that on the court at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and maybe we will see that. I mean, guy, you got, I mean, Sean Livingston is another embodiment of that, of just can switch anything. Not a good three-point shooter, but other than that, has all those capabilities. I mean, it's it, this Warriors team is very difficult to beat, and I'm going to be very happy when the Cavs win the next three games. So I think they'll really have accomplished something. Yeah. Yeah, well. Well, I want to win one straight, and then I want to win one straight, but let's concentrate on Monday night. Win one straight. What do the Cavs have to do to win Monday without Draymond Green in the game? Well, it'll be a lot easier, I think. Um, I think, like I said, Draymond allows them to do things that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. The Cavs starters have been pretty good against uh, the when the Warriors go with a traditional lineup, and um, I, you know, I think Draymond is also a key cog in the offense as well, and uh, he's a great passer. Mm-hmm. You know, he loves to just. Just, yeah, just throw, his, throw his weight around. Um, when you're running that pick and roll or the pick and pop with Barnes, it's not nearly as effective as with Draymond. No, Barnes is a much, Barnes is a more like a three and D guy. He's more yeah, one dimensional player. player. Yeah, he's been fantastic in the finals, by the way, Harrison Barnes. He is getting himself a huge payday, I think. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's it's a huge boost for the Cavs to not have to face. Draymond Green, to be honest with you, if I had to pick a player on the Warriors that I would want to be missing to give the Cavs the best chance, I would pick Draymond. Even I think over they, Steph, huh? Yes. I, yes. I, because I think, um, I think Steph doesn't really hurt you as much on the, on the defensive end, and the Cavs' biggest problem has been scoring. So, yeah, I think, I think Draymond's the guy that I would want to, to miss time. And... Uh, could extend the series, and heck, if the Cavs can, the Cavs can win at home, um, and you never know what could happen in a Game Seven. So this this may have just gotten a little bit interesting with the suspension. Yeah, and so I, I want to talk about bright spots a little bit. Tristan Thompson, big bright spot for me in that last game. In the last couple games, he I thought he was really fantastic, uh, rebounding, finishing around the basket. The only big problem is their free throws which was the free throws was a huge problem for the Cavs yeah oh uh, yeah, I missed game. 11 yeah they make more free throws that it's a completely different ball game yeah and it's part of the reason their offense bogged down but uh you know Tristan Thompson played really well I thought Jefferson played well though I I felt like he was overmatched a little bit as a starter and I would go back to starting love um do you what lineup do you think uh, the Warriors are going to play. Um, I think they might try a little more Azili. And he'll start. No, you think they'll start Iguodala? Yeah, they might start Iguodala. Actually, they That's... were doing some weird things. I mean, McAdoo was playing. I've been surprised. Verizal has been getting burned because I. How? Didn't... Yeah. How huge was his four-minute stretch, though? I thought it was a big turning point in the game. He got I mean, he was minus one when he was on the floor, but those three offensive rebounds really hurt the Cavs. Yeah, and I really yeah. felt like that was kind of got Golden State rolling. Yeah, offensive. Yeah. So, 
So we'll see. I mean, Kerr, who knows what he's going to do. Yeah, but I, and I, his coaching is phenomenal. I think we he will see. Coach and his, his fiery attitude is reflected in his players. If he wants to stay small, he might try McAdoo again, although LeBron kind of just took him to school and then he, yeah. Curry immediately subbed him out. Although McAdoo um, had a couple great plays. He had that pass that he hit. Uh, I can't remember who he hit on the baseline. It might have been Livingston. That yeah. was phenomenal, that bounce pass from, like, the top of the key. Yeah, he was – I mean, the Warriors, their role players come in and they play well. Yeah. They put them in situations to succeed. So, um, so what's your prediction for game five? I think it'll be um, – I think it'll be tightly contested. I think the Cavs are going to keep fighting. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to just bow out. And uh, um, I think it could be a low-scoring game. Um, and if it's as physical as game four was, that could that could tip the balance in the favor of the Cavs, assuming Draymond Green, well, that's not assuming he's not going to play. So I think a more physical series might actually, or a more physical game might actually help the Cavs in this instance. Uh, so um, I think the Warriors will still win. I mean, they're so hard to beat in I general. Close it out. I think they will, but um, I think the Cavs have a shot. And before the green suspension, I really wouldn't have given them much chance. And now I think, yeah, maybe they got like a 40% chance of winning. Well, I, I'm picking the Cavs. Uh, I, I think you're going to, and then you're going to see a, a litany of complaints from the Warriors about, you know, conspiracy theories and all that. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited. I'm trying to stay positive. Um, you know, I was, I was angry for two days after that last game because I really felt like they gave it away and, it, you know, they didn't put themselves in a position to succeed. And I just hope. Lou learns his lesson and they have a bounce back game and, you know, going home and, and the Warriors are definitely going to be looking to close it out because they don't want to go. If they go, it's another, the, the series lasts a whole nother week, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, they, right. they're giving everybody two days off between games every time they travel. So, so yeah, it's a whole nother week and I'm, I'm sure they don't want to get to that point. So. Uh, but I also hope that Aisha Curry is uh, is crying in her pillow after the game is over. So, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> and I don't think you'll get fired from your job for saying that. Yeah, and I hope that – no, no, no. And I, I don't mean it any – you know, this is sports. This is not – I would na- never say anything disparaging someone's family or anything like that. I think it's totally ridiculous. I, I did hear – yeah, there was that guy that was tweeting – really horrible stuff and you know all i hope is that the warriors lose and that's why she's crying no other reason (laughs) i don't want anything to get hurt (laughs) i don't want to see you know terrible things happen to anyone you know this is just basketball (laughs) it's just basketball we're talking about basketball man we're just talking about basketball (laughs) yeah so yeah i mean it's gonna be fun and no matter what happens uh this calf season has been fantastic. I've, I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's been maddening at times, but I, th- I think that's part of if it, if it, 
wasn't if it didn't drive as crazy at times it wouldn't be worth it so yeah. i enjoyed the ride and i want the ride to keep going well let's let's hope for the best then yeah let's do it go calves go calves Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.